We're flying with the vultures today. Raw Fusion. Welcome to the King B's Raw Fusion Podcast. It's been a long time. I should have left you. Without a strong show to flip to Now think of how many weeks shows you slept through uh, Time's up, I'm about to bless you with another season Another reason To cut on the TV and start the cheesing To get up on the phone and go call your friends And let them know the King B's Raw Fusion begins to sit on back and enjoy yourself I'll be your company, baby If you need a little help I took off for a while to revise the plan Got my focus on So I can check out the scam And open up my team Eliminate the fake And when got me a beat from Bobby Drake And now I'm back And it's better than you ever saw But enough talk Let's get raw A typical night at the club Let's get raw You don't want to fall in love Let's get raw You got the fusion in your blood Let's get raw And to my ladies and my thugs Let's get raw And to the haters on the scene Let's get raw Don't be mad cause we got green Let's get raw You should be trying to make the team Let's get raw Cause we taking everything Let's get raw. Raw fusion. Hey, it is super producer Lisa Ian. You know what time it is right now. That's right. It's time for Raw Fusion with the one and only wonderful host, my man, King B. Yo, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? King B right here. You know how it goes down. This is King B's Raw Fusion. Now, we've been talking about movies, but they've been my movies. I love the game. I love the game so much then I'm not just going to talk about my films, right? Because if I truly am a lover and a student of the game, then I'm actually going to promote other people who are doing well within the film industry as well, right? You know, you get to be, be around these people and they only care about themselves or what they're doing all the time. And of course, we all have to promote ourselves. But I think for us to go somewhere, we have to learn that we're not the only ones in the game and we need to be able to promote more than just ourselves. So today I have a filmmaker that even before inviting him on the show, hell, before I even brought the show back, <laughs> I had told him uh, just how great I thought one of his films were. He's since done several more films and uh other projects as well as a director. I, you guys know how much I fuck with Belly visually. And when I told him, I said, the movie was like the Chicago version of Belly. This guy right here, you know him from Vulture City, City of Vultures. He is the star and the director. His name is Marcus Carruthers. What's up, brother? How you feeling? Hey, what's up, man? You ever thought about doing voiceover, my brother? I, yeah, I do that. I got an agent, everything. You have a, a, an amazing <laughs> voice, man, for voiceover, man. You should, you know, that, that's, Thank that's, you, brother. that's dope, bro. Dope. Likewise, man. I, likewise, I appreciate it. Appreciate you reaching out, uh, calling me on to uh, be a part of this establishment of yours, this endeavor, this, uh, you know, I, I figured to be pretty dope, man. And I remember first time I think we really connected face to face was at one of your red carpet events some years ago. And, um, mm-hmm. uh, we talked, we talked, we chopped it up a little bit, took some photos, man. I still have those photos, uh, by the way. And um, <laughs> w- one of the things that stuck out to me the most was uh, the way you genuinely showed me some love for the productions that I was doing. And 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 you didn't, you know, you, you know, genuine in energy when you approach, especially 
coming from a city where we're from, where there's not much of an exchange of love for people that are in the same, you know, um, art form or um, the same lane as you pretty much, you know, it's very rare. So I want to say thanks for that. Appreciate that. It's, it's, it's the thing, it's one of those things that has left a lasting impression on, on, on me as far as knowing who you are. I just feel like it's first. I mean, it's, it's, they say you never get a second chance for first impression. That was a great first impression, you know, and the, and I think it really established a connection with us. We, um, now we've talked a few times uh, over the years and uh, each time has always been a productive, positive, productive conversation. So uh, thank you for having me on, bro. Oh, for sure, man. For sure. Um, and everybody knows, um, hell, sometimes, uh, People don't like me because I'm kind of really blunt and honest mm-hmm. about the shit that I say. So if I say I fuck with you, I fuck with you. You know what I mean? I'm, and if I don't, I don't. Fuck you. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? If you yeah. get upset at me because, you know what I mean? I don't want to be fake. It ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. All the acting I'm going to do is going to be on the screen. Right. If you don't have a, a check and a script, I'm just going to keep it real with you. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it is what it is. And I want to shout out and rest in peace to our brother, um, Palermo. Palermo. Really, I believe the reason why we ended up meeting, uh, he was in my movie. Yeah, uh, exactly. Exactly. He was. Yeah. I remember remember that night, man. I I was just looking at that photo we took in my memories. I actually, um, it's a photo. I had placed a photo and a text message. Sam was just a modest dude, man. I don't care what, um, you know, he was definitely different. He loved the culture. Being an Italian guy, he really embraced our culture. He was uh, on the music scene, hip hop, film, spent a lot of time with him, man. I, all the way until he passed away, we had this um, everyday thing. Whereas I was flying from Vegas to do some work in Chicago. He wouldn't let me get a hotel. He would, um, insisted that I stayed at his house over in uh, Pullman. He had got an apartment over in the Pullman area. And um, it was sad to see him struggle with the fact that he was wearing that, that what you call an bag. And um, I remember he was pressed about, he's like, man, Marcus, ain't no woman going to want me like this. He was very adamant about establishing himself in some type of relationship and um very short-lived man very 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 short-lived i have to change the whole concept of my films around the passing of him and Turion wilson miss him greatly miss him dearly um that's my guy man that's my guy yeah man Palermo. yeah yeah man real cool guy he came uh through with the uh production and we became cool from there and um, so when he brought you to the um, to the the premiere, mm-hmm. we met, and I said, "Yeah, I'm gonna come support your film." I bought tickets. Mm-hmm. This is when I say that me being in the game for so many years, I can get free tickets. I mm-hmm. can't get free tickets, mm-hmm. but I said no. I want to pay for the tickets, mm-hmm. and I bought the tickets. I, none of that free shit. You're not gonna give me a free ticket. I'm gonna buy it because I respect the game. Right. And so um, not knowing what the fuck I was going to see, you end up having your premiere at, mm-hmm. uh, on the north side. I forgot the name. Yeah. Of the yeah. Theater. Portage Theater. Um, that, yeah. The Portage, the Portage Theater. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I went to that. When I say that, first of all, it was packed. Let's just get that uh, out. Yeah. Yeah. 
memorable. Is that that motherfucker? Is it, I think it was a thousand seater, and he, he might have had people uh, up against the wall. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, it, and, it came out for it. It sure did. <laughs> I never, and, I never had a turnout like that. I was remember that. Yep. Yeah, that shit was that shit was dope. And uh, I was in a row with uh, some people that I knew in the industry. Really cool situation because then you know you can kind of share the movie with someone you knew. Although it wasn't, uh, uh, I bought two tickets and came by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I had time. I was working on something else and I didn't have time to pick up a date. Uh, so, but I was going to be there. I believe that you buy a ticket and you get your ass in a seat. You don't just buy a ticket and say, oh, fuck it. Or you don't just show up. You know what I'm saying? You, you buy mm-hmm. a ticket, you show up, you support, you know, the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, when I say I'm looking at this film and I'm enjoying it and it pissed me the fuck off. And this is what I say uh, we need more of. Mm-hmm. Because quite frankly, I've, I've actually talked about this on, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. There are people, and you in particular, mm-hmm. uh, I'm a competitor. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I like to compete. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and, and, and not sabotage anything. You know what I mean? But I want to mm-hmm. compete. Mm-hmm. So it pissed me off. I'm like, this, this shit, look at this shit here. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay, all right, okay. I'm, I'm gonna come for your ass. You, you know, I'm coming for you, right? I you, told you that shit. You said something like that. You did. You did say something like that. You did. <laughs> not hard. And that you did say something. Yeah. Like that. That's that. And that's, it's not hate. Mm-hmm. It's not hate. It's it's admiration, and and that's the thing. We mm-hmm. need to do that because what's gonna what, and I, and then you should see my movie and say, yeah, uh huh, okay, I got you, and see what that ends up doing. It propels both of us to be better. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, it does. I think they all, you know, even with the wealth that they've accumulated over the course of their careers, use each other for that form of inspiration. Got to the point, I heard stories about Lucas and Spielberg, that they were actually trading off scripts and silently collaborating even when they career, their careers got to a certain point. And um, it's just one of those things, man. Like, even for me, I have my people that I may look at. I feel like being an underground filmmaker, as long as I have, I always take it damn near personal what the industry does or when you see people that just so happen to be in the right place in the right time and they get those multi-million dollar budgets and then make a shitty film and then come back and they get financing again for it and all that. And here I am, underground, underdog. I always use that energy right there to motivate me because honestly, like, um, you know, my life, for instance, don't have family, pretty much of a loner guy. Like even right here, you can hear my voice echoing the house. I got a big old space. I live by myself. And so with that, I don't have elements around me to motivate me. You know, not, there's nothing in my personal life. You know, so, you know, their parents died, gone, all of that. So, some, you know, for most people, you know, men in general, when we work hard, it's usually because we have something that motivates us to, you know, work hard. And just, you know, because either we got people to take care of or whatever. I personally have to use what's going on in the industry it's not just my inspiration, but my motivation. Like right now, I, I'm I'm I have a silent competitive spirit for Netflix because they're so fucking great. And uh, when I look at them being as great as they are, I ask myself, why can't I be that great? Why can't I have an internet TV station that's popping like Netflix? You know, no matter how far fetched mm-hmm. it, it is or seen, you know, mm-hmm. this is what we do. Everything that we do is based off of optimism. You know, optimism. 
pretty much. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and just having that, being able to have some type of vision. That's who we are as artists. We're in the same boat. Yeah, man. I'm here by myself. And then with the, with the, the heart complications and, and me uh, making the decision to really not just go back outside just so quickly. You know, it is what it is. And I'm having a great fucking time. And people don't understand that. Why? Because I'm being more creative. I got, I don't know how I got in the situation. I, I put out four movies and I still got a ton of shit else to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, shit doesn't stop. You know what I mean? Um, I've been moving more or accomplishing more things sitting here than I have, you know, when I was moving around. So mm-hmm. that's important to find those um, different ways to, uh, to motivate yourself. Yeah, uh, because if you don't find those ways to motivate yourself, you'll become stagnant. And next thing you know, you look up and it's a shoulda, woulda, coulda type yeah. situation. Um, Man, definitely. I know you were talking about streaming service. We're going to get into that in just a minute when we come back. This is King B's Raw Fusion. Let's go. Hey, everybody, it's King B. And I want to tell you about a truly exclusive experience. My cannabis provider, April Flowers Shitiva, holds an event called Brunch and Blow. There you can have brunch. I'm talking about waffles, turkey sausage, eggs, hash browns, and more. You can choose whether you want it regular or infused. Also, you're able to sample up to eight different strands. You can take an interactive tour of the grow facility. Want more? Well, you'll be able to try or buy infused products such as peach cobbler, banana pudding, rice krispies, and lemonades. Contact April Flowers Shytiva on Facebook and Instagram at April underscore flowers underscore Shytiva, C-H-I-T-I-V-A. Check them out on Groupon or to RSVP or scheduling, call 773-456-3860. That's 773-456-3860. What's up, everybody? It's King B. And I want to tell you about my website, KingBWorldwide.com. That's King, the letter B, Worldwide.com. There you can find all sorts of stuff, including links to my book, the movies, and even the podcast there as well. It's KingBWorldwide.com. See you there. Raw Fusion. We're back. Marcus Carruthers, not only the director, the writer, producer, and star, of City of Vultures, Vulture City. It's funny, I'm, I'm pretty sure those people, those type of people that you named was probably, uh, or talked about earlier, mm-hmm. the, uh, motivation for the name Vulture City. <laughs> A bunch of vultures. Um, yeah. We'll talk about that. Not just culture vultures, but real vultures. But we'll talk about that. Let's talk about this streaming thing. So you have your own streaming channel, correct? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, um, after doing my City of Vultures film, which is um, the one that's now streaming on, I think, two be few other platforms, but um, upon finishing that in 2014, I'd invested. I got, I'm going to go back to the motivation behind it. Okay, Vulture City 1, I, I shot that. You were there. You, you saw the film. I think I spent somewhere up around 90 grand on the film frivolously spending money on a micro budget film um, because I didn't know, you know, was, you know, I'd, I'd been in entertainment for a long time, but this was my first financial endeavor with making this type of investment. And so um, lost tremendously. Um, the bootleggers at the time with it, you know, it became a cult class through the bootleggers, but it didn't put, no, it didn't make my pockets bad at all. So um, I told myself the second time around with 
you know, the experience out of game that I would make a film that would uh, surpass the quality of the first one and would have a better chance at major distribution. So uh, in doing that, I spent everything, well over $100,000 for City of Oceans, the one that's streaming now. You know, and that's a lot of money off a man's salary. I know that's micro budget in what we do, but, you know, just from a, a man's salary, with no investments, it's a shitload of money. And um, once again, I got stuck with the film, no distribution. It took me about six to nine months, and I finally landed some distribution. Advancement wasn't shit. And um, from there, um, I fell into some very hard financial times. And with that, I started thinking about, you know, how could I continue to be a filmmaker and not have that type of misfortune? So um, I started with the website for the films or whatever, placing them, you know, on the film, uh, on, on the website, you know, streaming service. And during this time, this was 2015, you know, before HBO Max, before Disney Plus, before a shitload of uh, um, streaming services that exist today. I felt the wave coming. I said, this shit is about to get real digital around here because, you know, when you're hitting barbershops and you're selling your film out the trunk, you start hearing people talk about stuff like, look, I don't even have a DVD player. Once I started hearing that a whole lot, um, I was learning that DVDs were becoming obsolete. So I jumped on the streaming service with my first project. Um, and you have a few different platforms that offer them, Vimeo, a few, few others out there that, that does, but I went the independent route and I did that. And I released the Vulture city underground, which was uh, a 30 minute um, um, spinoff from the city of Vulture series. I had been creating over the years and I used a bunch of acting students and um, first day to, you know, I think, you know, I probably moved the units for about two ninety nine dollars a view or something like that, but it was, it was, it, it was okay. It, it let me know that I had a, another way outside of uh, traveling the U S because I did over 50 cities moving films out the trunk like I was Master P or some shit. And um <laughs> and and spending just as much money on the road selling them out the trunk as I was making. So you look up, you come back off this long ass trip that lasts over six months and you broke even. So basically all you did is just, you know, comb through the US promoting yourself pretty much. And um so yeah, so from there I started streaming site and I and I and I've kept it since twenty fifteen. I've just been um, you know, putting my independent projects on it. Um, but yet now I'm just in the mindset of going more above and beyond flooding it with a lot of content. So, um, mm -hmm. and the majority of the stuff that I, that will be on it, that's on that now is stuff that I produce exclusively, you know, uh, independently, I'm sorry. And, uh, yeah, so it's been functioning. It's been functioning for now seven, almost eight years. I'm in it, in it, in it to, until, until, um, until it's over, until there's no more streaming service. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what's yeah. up. What, um, What's the name of it? DreamTV1.com. DreamTV1.com. Yes, I'm telling you, if you want to see some good entertainment, go over there and check out his stuff at DreamTV1.com. You know, I remember that time. It was fucking funny because we have another friend who's actually been in both of our films as well, uh, okay. As Is. Oh, As Is. Yeah, As Is. Amy. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that little crazy motherfucker. <laughs> um, I haven't talked to As Is in a while, uh, mm -hmm. actually, but... He, he was, you know, you know, mm -hmm. you know, all that lunatic shit he'd be doing. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. um, so, uh, a good guy. I remember that time because 
I had the same type of thing going on, except for I shut the shit down. Mm-hmm. If I saw you, any one of my people saw you in my movie, it was a problem. Mm-hmm. I was doing flea markets. That was one of the problems. Reason why my shit didn't get out there because as much. Did you not see the potential in that? Because I'm gonna be honest, I, I, and I hate to interject. I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. I honestly and truthfully, there were guys literally getting fucked up in the streets for bootlegging Vulture City One. And I had mm-hmm. a lot of people that were disgruntled about it. Mm-hmm. And at that time, when you're fresh off an investment of spending money on a film, the last thing you do want is for people to get it from everywhere but you. So that mm-hmm. was part of my issue. But then I had to go a little, little deeper behind the science of what was going on. And I said, um, maybe I need to be worried about it. People don't want to buy it off bootleg. And mm-hmm. that kind of stuck with me. I said, I said, what is that saying about the film if nobody wants it? If, it's, mm-hmm. if, the, if the bootleggers are not breaking their necks to try to get a hold to them to move them as quickly as possible or whatever. I promise you, man, it got to the point where I had to really get off of my high horse about it because I was disgruntled. I was, you know, because they were doing it everywhere. I saw websites. There was one website in New York that had it in their store selling it for $25, man, a unit. And I went to the hmm. store. It's called Black Star Entertainment. It was next to... um. Uh, uh, in Harlem. And I, I went to the store and I was just, you know, just I went to, here's one for you, went to Augusta, Georgia after I did my mm. second film and they had a poster up. They had a poster mm. <laughs> they had a whole bootleg store, you know, in the country, in the South, they do things totally different. They had a, a, mm. a DVD house and this was every bit of 20 I want to say around 15, 16. And I was shocked to see that. And I came in the store, somebody had took me to the store, one of the locals. And as soon as I walked in, the guy that owned the store, he just went to the back. The, you know, the guy was trying to introduce, he's like, yeah, y'all got this movie here. And the dude just went to the back, never came out the back. <laughs> so mm. he didn't even, you know what I mean? He, he, mm. he didn't even speak to me. I guess he felt I was like on something different. But after experiencing that so much, I said, you know what? That's a slight little bit of admiration right there. And I said, and not mm. only that, I never paid for masks advertisement or, 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 or marketing or advertisement or promotion. And I said, well, maybe there's an aspect of that that's actually going to be essential to what I'm doing for years to come. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I got to the point I did my lady film. I remember 2019, I said, uh, uh, and I hit the streets with that. I was running it on the streaming site and I hit the streets just to do some more. Because some people in those impoverished areas, they still have DVD players. They still buy bootleg DVDs. And so I went to a lot of those little small towns and stuff like that. And it got to the point where I was literally looking for the bootleg, man. Like, here, man, I need you mm-hmm. here. Just give me here. Give me whatever you got here. Take this. Make as many copies if you want. What I started doing mm-hmm. was printing my uh, streaming site on the de- through, through my edit. So if you watched it, you'll see it running at the bottom of the screen. Log mm-hmm. on to Dream TV One if you want to see more content. So I got kind of smart with it and allowed the bootleggers mm-hmm. to do some of that promotional work that I needed for me. And if they eat a little bit, God bless them. You know what I mean? <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. Well, see, here's my thing. Mm-hmm. Fuck all that. I was in the system. Mm-hmm. I was at the flea market every week. Mm-hmm. And that's where most of the people outside, I see, I knew the game. Mm-hmm. Most of the people outside the U.S., you know, in the Midwest at the time, they come to Chicago to get the good bootlegs and they take it back to their city. Mm-hmm. So the very flea market I was in is, because I met a lot of the bootleggers and they were like, yeah, man, we come up here, get the movies, right? Because they got the good copies. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, bounce back to our city and do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now I learned the game. Okay, mm-hmm. So I one day I was at one of the flea markets 
and I saw your shit. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I don't know if I had your number at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm. Mm-hmm. I hit as is and I'm like, yo, bro, they got Vulture City over here. Find out what bro want to do about it. Cause you know, I don't play that shit. I'd snatch the whole motherfucking thing, you know. Hey, that's my homie shit. This is my Kinda shit. Kind of like what Tupac did in uh, New York. Exactly. <laughs> New York. Exactly. I don't play that shit. You did. Now, I don't give a fuck what else you did. I ain't no snitch either. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck what you bootlegging. I knew bootleggers personally and they respected me. You know what I'm saying? They kept their hands off my shit. Yeah, so I don't give a fuck who else. Present, brother. You know, you about six <laughs> foot four with it. <laughs> I'm six six actually. Six six, but right. you know, That's what I'm saying six six. I I could have been five four. Darkest, I don't give darkest, a damn. Uh, six six, darkest <laughs> night, built like a linebacker. <laughs> oh hell yeah, they don't want no trouble. <laughs> here's the thing: I waited around because I was gonna be there anyway. Mm-hmm. And and then he hit me back and was like, "Bro, said let, let him let him get down." All right, fine. But I was finna go. I was finna go in, fam. I don't know if he talked to you or whatever because I saw the other end of the game. Now, see the way you saw the foresight that I didn't see was the streaming shit. But I understood that you know when I went on the road uh, with the film, uh, one I was looking for the flea markets. Mm-hmm. That was a good setup. But also, I always made money. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because they didn't have it. And they didn't have it because I shut it down in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So if Chicago is the hub that sends it out, and I, for the most part, now I didn't get everybody. Um, we didn't find everybody. There's a couple motherfuckers that got away with some shit. But for the most part, because they respected me and because of all that, they kept, because I was basically competing with them at the different spots where they do most of their money. They just, you know, let it go, which is good. And so... If I went to a space, like when I went to Augusta, Georgia, now once I leave and I have no intentions of coming back, then I gave it to the bootleggers and said, get in. Mm -hmm. But that's in different cities far away from where I'm going to be with my shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I saw the value in that. Not anywhere near where I'm going to sell my shit or not before I got there. It got to St. Louis before I got to St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Shit pissed me off. And I went up to the dude. St. Louis, man. I I love St. Louis, man. I I love him too. They, they are so supportive, man. I'm talking about my bootlegging quest. I would do barbershops, salons, and small businesses with my laptop running a trailer. So I would go in, hey, my name's Mark Sorelis. I'm making from Chicago. Uh, I'm going to take a bunch of y'all time. I just want to show y'all a little 30-minute clip, 30-second clip of my film, Baltimore City, Baltimore City 2, whatever it is. And I walk my way around the salon or whatever. And, you you know, I got that imagery with gunfire and all this shit so people are actually watching while they're getting their hair done or cut or whatever and then I'll try to make my little um, tubes and fuse there and I said oh yeah before I leave you know if anybody wants to donate a dollar to the uh, to the to, 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 to the um, to the movement we highly appreciate it and all this here you know I'll give, give them the whole spiel <laughs> mm. then I look up you know I've been sold some films and got some dollar donations from probably 20 some odd people in the barbershop you think about 50 to 60 barbershops and salons in these towns so I would look up at the end of the day I would have been had been had made a decent amount of I, I just couldn't sit still with it and post up anywhere uh, I did mm-hmm. one time in Toledo Ohio I can't say that Toledo was another very very supportive city I didn't know there was that many black people there Shout out to Toledo. I, I wound up um, mm. setting up at a bar at a us. There was a um, this dude had a barbershop restaurant together. Barbershop on restaurant uh, on one side, 
And actually, his cousin is, oh, this dude, man, he just produced the Tupac movies from Chicago, Death Row Records. Um, oh, follow him on IG. I can't think of his name right now. But um, yeah, so they were just excited to get some Chicago energy there. And I sat there, man. He, he called me like 10 o'clock at night. He said, look, man, every when they leave the nightclub, they're going to be in this boy. Everybody comes here and hangs out to the nightclub. So I'm like, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Left my hotel, came down there about 10, 11 o'clock. That nightclub energy came through. And man, when I tell you, it's some very supportive black folk in Toledo, Ohio, man. Like, it's a town full of thriving black people with small businesses. They were calling other businesses. Yeah, we got this filmmaker here from Chicago. Y'all should see his film. And before I knew it, man, I, 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 oh man, it was, it was beautiful. I will almost want to say, um, supported me heavier than some parts of Chicago. Yep. Mm. Toledo and. Man, I'm going to tell you something. I went to Toledo, Mm -hmm. but I ain't go there to sell films though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I sold maybe two, three films just because I was waiting for Shorty to do something and I was moving around and I said, I just can't go to another city without putting some units in the city. Uh-huh. But uh, I, I was on some total other shit. Shout out to Toledo, Ohio. <laughs> you know who you are. More Raw Fusion right after this. Hey, it's King B, and if you want to find an easy way to keep up with me, you can go to my website, kingbworldwide.com. That's king, the letter B, worldwide.com. There you can find links to my books, the movies, the podcasts, and so much more. That's kingbworldwide.com. See you there. Behind many smiles lie a troubling truth. So many people are suffering alone simply because they are too afraid of the stigma associated with mental illness. The road to mental health has no color. It has no age or gender. It's time we take the bull by the horns. It's time we remove the stigma and embrace acceptance to release people from their private prisons and give them the help that they need. It could be your relative, your friend, your loved one. It could be you and you don't even know it. It's time to help those in need, but help starts with you. With an acclaimed broadcast television and independent filmmaker at the helm, we are creating a documentary. This documentary will identify the signs, explore the possibilities, help remove the stigma, and clear the path to mental health. By donating, you will help us help others. From $1 to 1000 no donation is too small. Let's band together to fight this secret enemy that affects us all. Please donate today. You can donate now at GoFundMe.com slash MentalTheMovie. Raw Fusion. We're still here. Uh, Marcus Carruthers has been... uh, He's, I actually consider him um, a, 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 a real filmmaker. And there's a lot of motherfuckers in this independent game that I honestly uh, see when doing this, it's important to have, I, I, I really have a vested interest in others doing well. When you are talking to people, you see the difference. You know, if you have a distribution deal or whatever, you don't get the get the type of research and knowledge that I got. There are people who will 
look at you and say, yeah, well, I, I got this other independent film and that wasn't shit. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm past, bro. And then there are others that say, yeah, man, I just got this independent movie, this hood movie. You know what I'm saying? That's all I watch. That shit dope. Hey, man, give me that shit. You made it. Yeah, give me that shit. So it behooves us to have other filmmakers to do good movies. I hate it. You know, I dislike it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so much blasphemy in the, you know, the independent filmmaking game, now, especially since the wave of streaming networks and Tubi. There's a lot of people claiming to be what we are. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a, I have a real disdain for, hum, for uh, uh, what's quote unquote hood movies, what they call it. Um, you know, that's what they want to call it. Mm-hmm. Hood films or whatever. I have a huge disdain for it, mainly because, you know, there's a uh, there's a lot of steps, a lot of essentials that go into calling yourself a filmmaker. You know, you're a filmmaker by profession. Mm-hmm. You're a filmmaker by, I mean, there's, there's some, and especially an independent filmmaker. We have it harder for harder than the guys that are actually in the industry and getting this, you know, shitload of, you know, money. Mm-hmm. They don't work as half as hard as we actually work. Mm-hmm. You know, um, doing payroll for actors, uh, locations, uh, script writing, script development, post-production. It's just so much you find yourself doing when you're um, truly invested in it, mm-hmm. you know, from a, you know independent standpoint. And I get so many messages from people that claim to aspire to do it, but they're not willing to really, you know, do the work. Mm. It's a lot of stuff going on, like... Um, so many people are running running around with cameras and DSLRs now doing film. And, and you know, it's cool. It's cool. You know, it's, it's but the half-ass approach to um, to doing it is that so many people are just doing it to be known. Mm. They want a, a, a level of fame and recognition. They're not trying to build actual careers, which is the reason why mm-hmm. I don't respect the emergence of um these, um, I don't even know what to call them, bro. I can't even call them filmmakers, really. <laughs> you know, seriously, I can't. And then it's like with this um, wave of um, internet uh, activity, skits and, and, and things of that nature, everybody is so fame and clout driven for likes. Everybody wants to be known for being something that we've spent our whole life, you know, building by profession. Mm-hmm. And technology has helped do it. Mm-hmm. To me, it, it, it's a total black eye and it totally aiming. I feel like I feel attacked in, in, in such a way, man. I'm not going to lie because I feel like my hard work and my decades of just being in the industry functioning as a professional mm-hmm. is being debunked now with the way this bullshit is being ma- manufactured at a very heavy rate. I look at film and I dissect. You can tell how much people are passionate and how much work they really do when you look at the finished product, Mm -hmm. when you look at the storyline, you know, and so on and so forth. And I have to ask a lot of people, and I even do that with my students that I teach, why do you want to do this? Why? What is your reason for wanting to be in the film that I'm producing? Nobody can give me a logical explanation. Um, I heard so much street shit, so many street with, yeah, because, you know, in my hood, you know, everybody know me, man. You know, I got personality, man. You know, I'm this, you know, I got other shit going on. But I'm like, why do you want to do this? And why, if you got so much shit going on, why is it important that Marcus Carruthers places you in the film? They can't give me nothing. 
And a lot of times it shows up. I've, I've gambled on quite a few people that just wanted to be in the film mm. and they got on my set and they totally fucked my script up. Mm. And I did it as a favor. And I'm not going to even say no names, but it, it was really uh, uh, some of the most disrespectful shit when I put my heart. I'm writing the script right now. I put my heart on time and dedication into writing development. I make sure my pre-production is, is, is as top tier as I can get. And I spread myself then doing it sometimes you know how hard it is to grab props and locations and things of that nature that's a whole nother aspect that sometimes we have to do that shit on our own because we're doing things on these certain budget you know these strained budgets and then you have people that just want to tap dance over your shit just so they can say ooh 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 look at me I was in the movie or they claim to want to be filmmakers I had a few people that played in my films that were talking like yeah man you know we putting together the movie and all this I say good luck mm-hmm. good luck man Mm-hmm. You know, good luck with it. Um, because I'll be honest, as hard as I know most micro budget filmmakers work to put, I, I wouldn't advise nobody. I can't even give anybody advice on why you should be a filmmaker, because especially if you don't have investment dollars or financial backing, mm-hmm. because the amount of work, the relationships and the solitude that you're going to have to be in just to make this shit work. That's a total, it's a total life changing process. Mm. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself if you really built for it mm-hmm. first, for real. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know this just by experience. I sacrificed my personal life to do this shit. Mm-hmm. So, and that's because I know this is lined up with, you know, my calling and what I'm supposed to do. But you have so many. YouTube did that too. Everybody wanted to make something quick and put it on YouTube. Mm. And um, and that's as far as they want to go with it. I'm like, why are you wasting your fucking time, bro? Mm-hmm. You well, know, and that, that's just me. I feel you. And to a certain extent, I agree. Um, to a certain extent, I don't. And here's the thing. Um, the problem with technology is everybody can once it becomes available or more accessible, everybody gets their hands on it. And if you're not going to take this shit seriously, then I'm 100 percent with you. But for the others that are going to take it seriously and never had the budget, the the films that I've done, you know, and I I don't mind saying it. I haven't spent $5,000 yet in five Mm -hmm. movies. I haven't spent Mm $5,000, but that means I do most of the work. I'm behind the camera. If I'm Mm -hmm. not in the shot, the camera's in my hand. Not if I'm. What does that tell you about? So (laughs) you equate your work ethic and you put a value on that. Eh. On top of that five thousand, eh, okay, you probably spent about a hundred thousand dollars, probably, because <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, if I'm not in that shot, fuck the scene. I could be in the scene, but if I'm not in that shot, mm-hmm. I'm most likely with the camera in my hand. I'm doing the editing. I've done some of the music. Like you don't, you know, it's you know, it's a lot of a lot of work. But there's a passion mm-hmm. that I have to tell stories and. Mm-hmm. That's why when I get ready to announce, everybody else gets it. Aren't you so excited? No, damn it. I know what's coming. And this is this shit is about to, you know, I, I'm, I got to focus. I let y'all get excited. Mm-hmm. This shit is not, you know, what you think it was. And that's the reason why when I was at PBS, a lot of people couldn't figure out how I could leave TV. Yo, I had no life, fam. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you got to understand how intense that is when you have that deadline. That's the reason why I love film more, because you can set a deadline, mm-hmm. but it's not concrete unless you pay money for the theater. So 
you can always move that back. When you're on TV, they give you a slot and you need to have the show done by that time, period. There's no or. It's just how the show done. And so, you know, it's... I'm anxious. I want to, you know, my question to you is, because um, I know you were saying you, your $5,000 budgets that you, you know, that you uh, put forth in the projects. Now, mm-hmm. I've seen you hire a lot of a lot of actors. Some people, I, you know, I know. Mm-hmm. And you never had the disgruntled energy from producing a film. You know, sometimes you get those actors when you shoot micro that want to come and they'll, they'll work for free. Mm-hmm. Then you have those that feel entitled uh, to whatever it is they feel they're worth. And that's, you know, and that's cool. I get it. Cause I'm an actor first before any of this. I'm, I'm, I'm an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you manage to appease people, especially when you put a film out and be, Oh yeah, I seen you in a film and all this here, yada, yada, yada. And, and, and you get that energy. Like I've always got the energy to whereas I produce a film every time I produce a film, it becomes like the talk of so many social groups or whatever. And um, actors feel extremely entitled to, to more than they're compensated at times. And I've had been dealing with that energy since my very, very first film. And uh, so I'm, I'm like, I, I'm marveling at the fact that you were able to produce films like that on a budget and not deal with the disgruntled energy of entitlement that comes from, because actors are very egotistical, mm-hmm. and that and that's just who they are. You know, naturally, especially the good ones. You know, you're gonna get that. That's who I was you know? until yeah. I started directing. Mm-hmm. So I understand it. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm an asshole. I say it mm-hmm. all the time. I'm an asshole. Mm-hmm. One thing about me is this: the film's gonna get done, and then I'm gonna bust my ass. I never got paid for making a movie. I always paid out uh-huh. money. I got paid because I got up. At seven o'clock every Saturday and Sunday, foregoing my weekends because you can't you can't go out. I mean, I had to some some industry events you just can't say no to. Um, so I go out sometimes, but mo- for the most part, when I'm selling, I don't have a weekend. Friday night, I'm preparing mm-hmm. for Saturday morning to be on my feet from mm-hmm. seven to three p.m. And then I'm so damn tired after that. I'm going home. I'm going to sleep. So ain't no Saturday night party again, unless it's one of those industry events you really need to be at. And then to get up again Sunday and do the same shit again. And I did that for five years. That has nothing to do with going on the road. I got paid because of my ability to sell the film, not because I made one, because I could have made one and just sat this ass down there and it wouldn't have made money. If I didn't get my ass Mm -hmm. out there and do it. So I had one person and my first film and they acted up and I got rid of their ass. So I did one thing. And here's the thing, uh, actors, never piss off the director who's also the writer. Because all it took was, "Eh, I don't want to replace this person. But if I did, how would I do it? And then I came up with this ingenious idea. I only had to add like a couple of lines. I could keep the shit that we did and I just brought someone else in. And a lot of these people are my friends, number one. And 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 we became friends uh, through the industry. So I knew no one when I first mm-hmm. got in the industry. And that's the number one. Number two, um, shout out to, and rest in peace, Herb Kent. I can't tell you how uh, important it is to have someone that's known in the film. And that actually came through because I had my show on, T- on PBS and a publicist, actually, I don't remember if they reached out to me or, or I re- reached out to them. However, it went, 
they set up the interview with uh, Herb Kent and he went, he went, uh, he was at uh, V103, I believe at the time. So I went down there, did an interview with him and he actually saw the shit on channel 11 in Chicago. And he, I, I ran into him again. I didn't do the groupie shit. I didn't get his number or anything then. Very professional. But I ran into him at, at Sam's Club off off chance. And I was like, yeah, did you see the, see the show? And he was like, yeah, man, you know, I like how you did that. But you put me in there with the soap opera because I had the soap opera temptations. That's where the, uh, the book comes from, uh, Confessions of a Dead Man, that you can get right now on Amazon, by the way. Uh, shameless plug. Uh, so <laughs> he was like, anytime you need some, some acting, let me know. And I, I want to do it. You know, don't worry about the money. And, and that's what it is. I, I got people who really weren't worried about the money. They were more, um, uh, were concerned about the content and being a part of good shit. And so mm-hmm. I did that. I pulled the card in my first film. And so when that happened, then Leon Rogers saw, um, it was a good thing that the other one fucked up because uh, the the person I replaced him with was uh, Jay Marie, who actually ended up doing uh, VH1 later. Good friend of mine. We had been friend, f- friends for years. So it was just a matter of, yo, I need you to come do this project. All right, cool. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, and so she, so Leon Rogers saw the trailer saw Herb and Jay Marie and was like, and reached out to me. It was like, yo man, I ain't worried about none of this other shit. I'm getting money. You know what I'm saying? I want to be part of some good shit. So then I went down there. And then when I did that, Tony Shag was there. Mm-hmm. And so then I made connection with them, put them in root. See what I'm saying? And then by the time I got done, everybody just about in Chicago at that time has done something, wanted to do my films. And I'm still. Yeah, you have you worked with a lot of you worked with a lot of Chicago legends. Yeah, I've seen them. Yeah, so I mean, it was that, and then the fact I'm not going to play. I, I don't give a shit who you are. I had one other person do that, and I'm not going to call his name. He's a rapper, and the when I got done with the film, see, this is the thing. Someone else reached out to me that was supposed to be representing them, and said, "Yo, um, can we get such and such in your movie?" Uh, again, people was getting money. They're not really worried about it. And so I ended up going to the studio. We're getting ready to shoot. I got Shag with me. Shag's going gonna, to gonna be a part of the, the, the scene. And he's in the film by just, there's a shadow, an extra shadow that I put to put him, to, to get him out of it. Here's the thing. He, I went to the studio. He tried to play Hollywood. Yeah, man. So we supposed to be doing some movie, you know what I'm saying? What, what, uh, Okay. All right, well, you know, yeah, they told me about it, but, you know, uh, I said, all right, I'll tell you what. And I had already done a trailer for it. Uh, I was promoting it even when we hadn't finished the film. I said, I'll tell you what, why don't you go watch this trailer? You let me know. He 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 looked at the shit. Let me see what you're talking about. He looked at it online, his mouth dropped. You finna shoot this movie right now? Yeah. That's what we finna go do? Yeah. I can be in this shit? Yeah. Hey, man, shut this whole shit down. Hey, man, we do this shit another motherfucking time, G. Hey, let's go, let's go, let's go. He came and did it, right? So then he got a motherfucker from Atlanta that was also supposed to be representing him. This motherfucker from Atlanta called and was like, uh, yeah, well, we need uh, da 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 I said, you know what? No. And not only that, we did it outside, so I really don't need 
your permission to use the footage. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to block his. So you're not going to be able to see him. And I'm still using the fucking footage. This is after we shot the shit. Mm. And so you're not going to see his face and no one knows it because there's an actual reason why there's a shadow there. It's a certain scene. If I tell you the scene, you'll know who it is. Well, no, you wouldn't know who it is because he's blocked out. But anyway, uh, there's a scene where he Mm -hmm. hits the guy with a shovel and there's a pillar right in front of him. So I just increased the shadow before I did that. You could see him. But when I did it, it just made sense that there was a shadow there and did it digitally. Then the other mm-hmm. producer, once they seen the film, man, he want to be in the film, man. Can you do that? No, fam. First of all, I got other motherfuckers mm-hmm. in there that's well known as well. And I don't need him to promote my movie. So no, he's not going to, I'm not going to go back in there and redo my shit again. He just missed out. Next time, quit fronting. I'm an asshole. Mm-hmm. And that came from being an actor because when I got in the game, people were not finna fucking play with you. Look, this shit's going on whether you do it or not. So do you want to be a part of it or not? That's the only fucking questions we need to know. And that's how it, this, uh, that in, the industry was introduced to me. And so I learned that. And so, yo, this shit's going on whether you're in it or not. Are you going to be here and do the shit or not? Now, the other flip side of it is very respectful of their time. I'm trying to get it done as soon as possible to let them get back to doing what they do and making their money. They have some extra time sitting around. They want to do something creative. And when you come to my set, we have a lot of fucking fun. As much as I'm an asshole, everybody has fun on my film. And so at the end of the day, we end up kicking it basically. And we've got a film done before you know it. And that's been the that's mm-hmm. been the key to secret sauce. So now when I do films, people want to be in my film. Matter of fact, they're mad at me. I had uh, Little Rail was mad at me. Uh, he said, "I the fuck you got hot sauce. He ain't even from Chicago in, in the movie, and I'm not in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm from the shot. Mm-hmm. Um, we were doing the setup with Crucial Conflict. I directed that." And uh, because of the relationship that I had uh, with Crucial and um, Malik Youssef was going to be in it. And I had promised him he could be in it, but we never finished that project. And uh, mm-hmm. so I said, hey, man, come on, do uh, the sequel to Roots. You know what I'm saying? Because he, he was mad. He's like, man, you told me we was finna do this the other shit. Uh, <laughs> OK, fam. But listen, we never finished it. Hell, I was supposed to be in it. We never finished the shit, but what I can't, it wasn't my shit to finish all the way. I was directing it, but it still was, um, it was crucial basically, you know? Uh, um, and so I like, yo, but I'm doing sequel to my movie come through and he did. So, I mean, you know, I was blessed to have mm-hmm. different people. And then I also was blessed with being an asshole and just saying, Hey, mm-hmm. Either you're with it or you're not. And and it's no disrespect if you're not with it. But if you are with it, you need to do this because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm still not just some regular motherfucker. I've already had a TV show on a broadcast network. So there's some kind of respect you're going to have to give me. I'm not new to this. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So kind of how I did it. That's wrong, man. You've worked with a lot of Chicago legends. And um, a lot of them I truly admire, especially like Leon Rogers. Tony Shag, I remember that rain. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, yeah, I, I haven't yet to, um, you know, I don't work with, I haven't worked with many people in the entertainment community in Chicago outside of developing talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody pretty much, you know, that did movies with me, a lot of them, it was their first time out. Mm-hmm. Uh, now my brand is more so around um, more diverse cast members. Mm-hmm. Some of them are, have representation there in the industry and all, and they're just down for the projects because they, feel they'll be good quality projects when they're done. Mm-hmm. But I love working with uh, aspiring talent. Yeah. Uh, I like teaching, you know, helping them develop and I, and I can't deal with egos. <laughs> you know, that's the main thing. Absolutely cannot. I cannot, I absolutely cannot work with any ego that feels that they're bigger than the project I'm producing. I've had those things happen. Yeah. And um, I made sure I got rid of those problems quick. Yeah, and that's what you gotta do. Let me be clear to you. It was only that one that pulled that shit. And after they saw the work, they never came back to me with no bullshit. Um, that's known. Mm-hmm. That's the only one that's really, really known that pulled that shit. The other one who did it in the beginning, when I first did my first film, which it, people don't know, because they were released differently, Intimate Friends, which is going crazy right now on Tubi. Um, uh, intimate friends. Um, there was one, but they weren't known. And I'm like, you're either gonna do it or you're not. And you have that, you have that right to not do it. That's fine. I'm going to find someone else. It's not hard for me to get someone else. But it is what it is. We gotta take a break. Pay some more bills. We'll be back. More right here. We're on Fusion after this. Behind many smiles lie a troubling truth. So many people are suffering alone simply because they are too afraid of the stigma associated with mental illness. The road to mental health has no color. It has no age or gender. It's time we take the bull by the horns. It's time we remove the stigma and embrace acceptance to release people from their private prisons and give them the help that they need. It could be your relative, your friend, your loved one. It could be you, and you don't even know it. It's time to help those in need, but help starts with you. With an acclaimed broadcast television and independent filmmaker at the helm, we are creating a documentary. This documentary will identify the signs, explore the possibilities, help remove the stigma, and clear the path to mental health. By donating, you will help us help others. From $1 to $1,000, no donation is too small. Let's band together to fight this secret enemy that affects us all. Please donate today. You can donate now at GoFundMe.com slash MentalTheMovie. Not once but twice within the same beat. Ah, this happened like a variety of partners. I'm not about to go to some funky club to get on some funky dance floor to dance with some funky man. I never used to think about it. Just give me one good reason why we shouldn't enjoy each other's actually. Like a ruin our friendship? I don't think so. It doesn't feel right. Eric, I know what you do with these women. That has nothing to do with it. That has everything to do with this. have been drawn. The question is, in the end, should I or should I not get intimate with my close friend? Funny. 
gonna shave you. I already had a shave. No, where I'm gonna shave. Oh no. Watch King B's Intimate Friends streaming now for free on Tubi. Outside of the U.S., then watch King B's Intimate Friends for free on Plex. Raw Fusion. I'm in 100% agreement with you when it comes to what we can do. And that's the reason why after doing the sequel to Roost, I decided that I wanted to lay off of that. <sighs> I kind of got pulled back into that, that genre with hate love. But that's because the other film that I was going to do, long story, I was going to do a, a cop film. And, well, that kind of, and then I struggled uh, to find something to do. So I did something loosely based on my life just because I wanted to shoot at that time. And the film I wanted to do was being looked at by some other people to produce, which means I couldn't do it at the time if I was going to allow them to do it. A long story. Anyway, um, mm -hmm. but the, my first film was... Um, Intimate Friends, Love Story, No Guns. Uh, we, then we did the Penis Dialogues, No Guns. And it was, Roost was actually my third film. Um, and, and, and I believe that. I tell people the easiest films to do that can get attention are uh, church movies, gangster movies, and possibly love stories. Now, I haven't done the church film yet. Um, but the, the, the gangster film I've done, the the, you know, Love story I've actually done. Now you start getting to these other things and the budget starts to get inflated. You want to do a superhero movie or, or sci-fi sometimes. Now it's getting a little better because, you know, we've gotten to a place where the consumer visual effects, you can actually get some of these things done if you put the time in and work right. But back then, that shit did not exist for people who were on the level, the underground level that we were in. And I'm like, yo, we need to challenge. I said the same shit. Challenge yourself. That's the reason why I did not do Roost 3 right away. It's time to challenge ourselves to do something different. We can always come back to this gangster shit. It's always going to be there. It's always going to sell. You get some real guns, prop guns, whatever guns, go out there, shoot it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get attention if you do it right. And it's going to be out there. It's saturated, man. It's just, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, I, man, I, you know, my respect, man. You know, major respect to the singletons. They're getting the money for a reason. You know, they're getting the bag for a reason. You know, um, even, the, you know, with the new emergence of a lot of other black filmmakers as well, Kugler and, uh, you know, so many others, man, that may have started out doing some street genre, but allowed themselves to be real creators and evolve with something else. You know, everybody else is just telling the same story over and over again. And I, and, I, and I say it a thousand times. My position on speaking about, you know, film, this is what I love. This is what I've been doing all my life. This is what I've been a student of. And um, my perspective is not going to be the popular perspective. It's not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's just what it is, because um, this is my true profession. Yeah. This is what I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. On. I can't even say tens of thousands. On. What I've invested mm -hmm. my life in and all of this, and especially the amount of work that I'm still doing in the city of Chicago with uh, my people, man, students that come and travel to my class that ain't even from Chicago. It's just that they were inspired and impacted from, you know, the whole Vulture City energy, which you know, I, I did, I've never glorified any street shit in any of my films. They've been about the street. Mm -hmm. 
but um, even, you know, part one, 99.9%, that's about my mother's heroin addiction, mm-hmm. her suicidal, you know, uh, elements of suicide that haunted her, man. You know, um, me struggling with insecurities as a young black man, having come from a fatherless household, and the reason why I became a part of the Gangster Disciples Street Mob. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I mean when I talk about um, pioneering something authentic and true. of my life. I I didn't have to fabricate that story, but it inspired people in such a way because it showed the cause and effect. I wound up doing seven and a half years in prison behind Mm -hmm. everything that took place in that film. That's, that's like my real, that's that's not like, that's my real life. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I hold the position of, uh, and I I know so many people have, and I'll say it again, have tried to, um, you know, through inspiration and then, you know, people, you know, call yourself being inspired in, in, in different ways. But um, I'm one person, whereas um, there's one thing in one area in my life, I'm the most modest person you could ever want to meet. But when it comes down to this shit here, this filmmaking shit, mm-hmm. you know, this reason why you got me on this uh, on your on your podcast and conversation, yeah. you know, type shit, this right here. This is the one thing that I'm extremely confident about. And um, as you should be. By the way. Yeah, exactly. And I and I'm to the point where it can come across any type of way. I could stand toe to toe and have these conversations and really stand on my shit when it comes down to uh, directing, producing, writing and acting from an art form. And, you know, just coming up from you look at your favorite people that are in music that we admire so much. You know, what I mean, I love some 80s music, the Princess, the Michael Jackson's man, uh, you know, uh, Marvin Gaye's, and, you know, None of them guys were humble, man, in their position when it came out of what they did. They they had to believe that they were bad motherfuckers, man. In order, Michael Jackson even made a song about it. Mm-hmm. They had to believe that it was these bad motherfuckers in order to be successful. You can only, you know, take the humble pie, humble pie approach, you know, so much when it comes down to this here. And it can be offensive to people. You know, that's fine. You know what I mean? When it comes down, if I had to choose between making friends and being extra challenging myself to be extra successful in this, I would choose being extra successful and and a little bit pompous about this than I would anything else. And that's just from the time and the work that I've invested in. So the same thing when we go to sports, you know, Michael, Michael Jordan is the greatest, right? I mean, we, we just argue that he's the goat, right? And we can say the same about LeBron. We can argue that Michael Jordan, you say what? We can't say the same about LeBron. We can say Michael yeah, yeah, Jordan exactly. I mean, it's was always going to be up for argument, but these guys are not <laughs> humble guys, man. Not supposed you know, to be. Michael Jordan was the most shit-talking, arrogant motherfucker you ever wanted to meet, man, playing, you know, uh, uh, dribbling a ball. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He didn't like to be compared to nobody. Mm-hmm. And when that King James shit came about, it's the reason why he don't really fuck with LeBron James. You know what I mean? Because... This is a dude that's trying to come for me. He's trying to break all my motherfucking records. And they trying to, you know, the media is talking about he's the GOAT. You know what I mean? When I'm when I'm busting 63, man, and working my ass off, Kobe was another arrogant motherfucker. So this is just part of the nature. You talked about competition earlier in our conversation. And it's cool to have that energy on us. You know what I mean? It's if that's what pushes you to be great, then guess what, man? Embrace that shit, you know, and fuck who it offends, man, because I'm that dude. I feel the exact same way, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but I, you know, in my personal life, extreme, extreme humility. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, L- love, embrace, all that. You know what I mean? Listen, we've known each other. I don't. I mean, we haven't kicked it that motherfucking hard. But I mean, we've had conversations. We've been cool. And and at some mm-hmm. point, first of all, my real friends, I don't talk too much. I'm just be honest with you. 
I got real friends like brothers and I, I'm doing so much shit. I don't, I don't even talk to them as much as I, I should. So that's number one. So it's not a slight or at, at anything or anyone. They know I'm, I'm going to talk to them maybe once a month, if that. But it's all love when we get together. I really have a lot of shit going on. Uh, but, and even in that, I like my quiet personal time. I'm actually more of a loner than anything. So, yeah, um, most there's that. Yeah. And plus, you know, I'm writing. Yeah. Well, anyway, but here's the thing. I don't bring people that I don't fuck with. And you're supposed to be. When I start talking my shit, <laughs> you're going to think I'm cocky as fuck too. Because the truth of the matter is, ain't nobody should, fucking hey, with we me. We should have one of those days, man. You know what I mean? Like, just talk shit. Right, man, whatever you do, man. And, you know, we just kick yeah. back and just talk some shit, man. I, I, yeah. I promise you, man. I, I, I'm, I'm, my, I, I admire, um, I've seen, man, you know, juggernauts in the same industry do this, man, and laugh while they doing it, man. You know, yeah. Um, um, uh, I, I was just in reference to basketball, man. Every time Michael Jordan see Magic, man, he tell him like, man, I'll bust your ass. We get on the court right now, go one on one type shit. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, you know, it's 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 all fun and loving it because here it is. We are doing what we love and 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 we're pushing each other, whether we know it or not. You know what I mean? Like, you know, King B can drop something. King B right now can get a multi-million dollar deal. Guess what? Guess what Marcus Carruth is going to say? Man, I got to get a multi-million dollar deal, man. I'm coming for that, bro. You know, know what I'm saying? Are. Like, hey, man, we only get one life, one shot at this shit, man. So, you know, it's just what it is, man. Like, it's all about going for the gusto, pushing each other, man. And whatever you can find motivation in, then do it. But just know at the end of the day, in order to do what you're doing, King B, you have to wake up in the morning. Yeah, and in time, you have to tell like, man, I'm a bad motherfucker. Your confidence has to be on a hundred, man, to do the shit that you do. And if you were just too motherfucking modest and meek and mild and all that, man, you would probably take this shit, you would probably cruise your way through this shit and never get nothing done. I believe So, you know, yeah, man, that's... We're going to do it, man. And and I actually want to be, when I start getting back out in these streets, uh, I actually want to be in something that you direct. And and that's just because I like that as well. And then I'm not afraid of you, motherfucker. You hey, gonna I'm come in and do one of my motherfucking hey, movies? Now I don't give a shit. I don't give a fuck because because I'm the dope. I'm the dopest ever did this shit. So I don't give a damn. Even if I stumble on the lines, it's gonna be better than the shit that was. Man, I'm gonna make it even better than the shit you thought it was gonna be. You did. You let me know, man. When you when you get your health back to a hundred percent or just enough to, you know, get back and you feel camera ready and all that, I'm working all year, man. You know, I moved to Chicago, bro, from the mountains, the beautiful mountains of Nevada. Got me a crib over in High Park just so I could sit still and do every production that I wrote through the pandemic. So I'm here for the next nine, ten months at least. So you, you ready? Even if it's, even ready. if even if we gotta get on a flight, we gonna. I'm, I'm, I just want to see what's. You know, it's about time that we actually work together and make some shit happen. And, and even more, even behind the scenes of some shit. I was been, I've been thinking, kicking around, thinking about doing streaming and and stuff like that too. I'm just enjoying the checks instead of having to put the whole business thing together. But I mean, mm-hmm. there are things and we have to learn how to come together and, and make shit happen, man. And uh, that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast. There is no beef here. 
I think you are a tremendous filmmaker. Uh, you're not better than me, but you you good and you be you gonna be all right. And uh, <laughs> you better talk your shit, man. You better talk your shit, G. I fuck with you. And that's the reason why I wanted you to have you on this podcast. This shit has run long, um, uh, longer than normal, but that's that's what happens when uh, oh, yeah, two artists get to together. For them, yeah, them gaps in them years, man. You know, I'm a, <laughs> I'm long winded, man. So next time you decide to have me on some shit, man, you about to fix your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> you know what I mean? Have all your shit laid out, man. Dead ass, that's what's man. up. So, that's all good, all though. Right? Um, and, and I fuck with you, man. I appreciate you guys. Uh, I appreciate you for, uh, being through. And I wanted to show this that, you know, two brothers can, um, be in the same lane, um, and still fuck with each other and not just make it talk. Uh, too many people, mm-hmm. especially in the industry, but especially in Chicago, it's talk. Yeah, man, I fuck with you. But when it comes down to the rubber hitting the road, are you actually fucking with each other or are you just saying the shit? And this is, right. you know, just one of many, like the first step of many of us trying, uh, hopefully collaborating in the future. And regardless, I'm still going to be watching, checking your shit out. And, uh, same I mean, here, you know bro. Same here. So for I'm, sure, I'm man. Definitely gonna, uh, channel. I just pulled Tubi up on my, uh, on my, uh, my, my laptop, which I don't usually do. Cause, uh, my old film, Bruce's place is streaming on Tubi right now, man. The episode where I start with Oprah, man. You should check it out, bro. It's on there right now. Bruce's place okay. gone fishing. Yep. Yes, I'm going to check it out. Check it yes, out. So I'm going to check yours out as well. Let's get it, man. Right. Appreciate My you, man. man. Appreciate you. Take right. care, bro. It's time to talk some shit with King B on the King B's Raw Fusion Podcast. Brought to you by King B's Hate Love. Now streaming for free on Tubi. Well, it's time. It's time for us to stop hating. It's time for us to stop fighting. It's time for us to stop not supporting. If you truly believe in what you do and your talents that you have, then you have no problem supporting and celebrating other people, even if what they do is the same as you. Because when you're truly confident, you know that your place in this situation should be secure. But then again, if you're insecure, if you are weak, if you know deep down inside you're a fraud and you're not that talented, not that great, not that special after all, then I guess you would keep hating on people and not supporting them. Who are you? I'm King B and this is Raw Fusion. Raw Fusion. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.